Say names matter. This morning, what I want to talk to you about is names. I want to have a conversation about his name, your name, my name, everybody's name. Okay, so we're going to go around the room and everybody's going to say their name. Are you guys ready? Yeah, we're not going to do that. Uh, you want to get out of here anytime in this century? Like, I already get complained on a little bit. Oh, the long sermon. Now he's going to tell everyone's names. All right, so, and, and everyone would be like, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I live here. And you know somebody is going to start preaching from that. That's, yeah, so I can't. You can't do it. Somebody's going to preach. I just ask you for your name. I was in California, and uh, 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 Thomas heard. He lined up four of us, and he said, I just want you to pray over California real quick. And he handed the mic to four pastors and asked them just to pray real quick. I just prayed. The other three preached, man, and I'm like, Oh, what did you do? And he's looking at me like, what? And I said, you know better. You don't hand the microphone to a preacher and not expect him to preach. That's what happens. So no, I can't give you all name rights. Some of y'all go crazy. All right, so we're going we're to talk about names this morning. I want you to understand the power that is in a name. Does anybody know some of the names of God? Anybody can shout out a name of God. Just shout it out. One at a time. Okay, I heard Yahweh. Go ahead, come on. Adonai, El Shaddai, Yeshua, Jehovah Jireh. Ooh, y'all know stereo. I like that. What is it? Jehovah Rapha. Any other ones you can think of? Jehovah Nisi, Emmanuel, Jesus. God's a title. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, Holy Spirit. Right? The Ruach. Ruach Kodesh. Okay? Ruach Kodesh. So uh, we got Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Okay, so you have all these names that God has named because the dude just couldn't settle on one, right? Like, why has he got so many names? Some of them are his names and some of them are his nicknames, wouldn't you say? Yeah. A little bit. Like, Jehovah is really Yahweh, and they just kind of change it a little bit. Jesus is not really the way it was pronounced in the original Right? That wasn't really the way it was said. It was Yeshua, and we would more correctly uh, uh, pronounce his name today as, as uh, Joshua. Okay? So it's actually the same as Joshua, yet somehow we turned it into Jesus. So it's kind of, kind of neat. So there's this idea that character defines a name. So if you read in Scripture, when it calls him his names, it says, I shall call him Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Wonderful Counselor. Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Some of these are his name and some of them are his character, yet they're called names. So names can consist not just of what someone, uh, what your title is or your name is, like my name is Ren, but it can also consist of something about your character. And when something consists of your character, you might define that as a nickname. Okay, so just our terminology, we kind of call that a nickname. If someone has a nickname, does anybody in here have a nickname? What's your nickname? Yell it out. I heard some good ones. Got snow owl, pterodactyl. That's good. There, I'm sure there's good stories behind that. How interesting. Okay, so we have all these nicknames. We, we, we come up with these names. How many, so I, uh, my name is Ren, and, and, and if, you guys didn't know that, right? Okay, yeah, just making sure. So my name is Ren, 
That's the name that my father gave me. That's the name when I was born, my father gave me. Now, what's interesting about my name is that when I was born, my father didn't name me instantly. Instead, he chose to get to know me a little bit to find out what my name should be. And so he got to know me. He says, I can't just name him. I have to know what his personality is. In Jewish culture, when you gave someone a name, that name was supposed to represent an identity. It was not just something to call them. It, it had meaning and identity behind it. Many times in Jewish cultures, you would name them after a relative or somebody that you wanted your child to have the, the uh, um, uh, character of or flavor of. You wanted them to carry something from that name. Okay, so if you wanted your kid to be like an awesome basketball player, you might name them Michael Jordan whatever. Okay, so Michael Jordan Shuffman, because you want them to be an awesome basketball player. So you might give them a little bit of an identity, right? So, so if, you, if you wanted them to, like for instance, when my son was uh, uh, still cooking, um, when she, it was, he was still in the, in the oven, in Rachel's oven, uh, we had many prophecies spoken over him that he would be a prophet. And so when we asked the Lord that he would have a prophetic gift, how many of you guys know that is very true about him? He very much carries a prophetic voice. And so when we were asking the Lord what to name him, we named him Isaiah. And the Lord had us give him a prophet's name because he carries a prophet's mantle on his life. And so we gave him a prophet's name. And so names have value. They give identity, they give purpose. So my father named me Ren because my name means little, mighty, and powerful. Yeah, that's right, come on. Take it all in, take it all in. Little, mighty, and powerful, okay? Because when I was born, they took me to three scales because the doctor was sure that I would not weigh over four pounds. I was tiny. My mom used to put me in her shoebox, her size seven shoebox, Okay, I wore uh, preemie diaper, oh, newborn diapers cut in half till I was three months old. I couldn't even get in the preemie diapers. Okay, I was tiny. Okay, so when everyone makes fun of me for being short, it doesn't really bother me because I was supposed to be very short. They said I would never be above five foot. Okay, and I just barely inched above it. So, <laughs> mm. I'm an overachiever. Yeah, that's right. And then with my kids, I'm like, they will not suffer this fate. And I way overachieved, right? I way overachieved. I did. I did. I just kept on working on my skill set, and each one went up a little bit higher. I just got better and better and better. That's how it worked. All right. So, so I, when, when they take me down there, I weigh six pounds, seven ounces. So they said, this must be broken. So they took me to the second one. And they said, nah, there's no way. So they took me to the third one. And they finally said, okay, this, this, okay, we don't get it. He's dense. He's dense. I got them dense bones, heavy bones. All right. And so, uh, uh, but what happened was, is I stood up on the scale. I, they, they, they couldn't get me to lay down. I wasn't a floppy baby. I just stood. And they were like, this kid is a newborn and he's standing, you know, not on my own, but they, but I put my legs out and I stiffened and I stood. And so my dad said, yeah, this one, he's little, mighty, and powerful. And he gave me an identity. So many times your parents will give you a name, but a lot of times in our culture, our names are just, I like that. That's cute right? And so it doesn't necessarily carry any identity in. But in the kingdom, in kingdom principles, names carry identity. They carry the, the authority 
of God in them. And let me give you an example. God is very interested in your name. Did you know that? Maybe not the one your father gave you or your mother gave you, but he is very interested in your name. When we come to the scene of Abraham, his name is first Abram and Sarai. And God changes their name to Abraham and Sarah. He adds the Hebrew uh, letter hey. And the Hebrew letter hey means breath or behold. Breath or behold, H-E-Y. Breath or behold. So God literally took their name and added his breath to it. He added his very identity to it, his covenant breath to that word and changed their name to say, now I'm in your name. Now my identity is in your name. And now that my identity is in your name, you can walk out my purpose for you. And so he changed their name to reflect who Abraham was called to be, the father of, of, of many nations, but not just any nation, the nation of God, the very breath of God, those that carry and behold the presence of God. Amen. That was the name. And God was very fond of changing names. We have Jacob as an example. And Jacob wrestled with God, right? And his name meant deceiver or heel. How many of you guys want a name that means deceiver? Anybody? Like, oh, yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah. Anybody want that to be your character that you have to live up to for the rest of your life? No. So God changes his name to Israel. God changes his name to Israel and instead gives him a name that has promise. A name that would become the name of the nation in which God people followed instead of a name that meant deceiver. So that every time he heard his name Israel, it spoke life and identity to him. How many of you guys understand the wrong name can speak death to you? The wrong identity that you're called can speak death to you. When Chris first started coming here, when we were in high school, uh, they used to call him uh, Buddha. Because of his belly, right? And it was, it was a, I mean, he absorbed that nickname. When he got here, something shifted in him. When he started coming here, it was just like one day something snapped. And he's like, I don't, I don't think that should be my name. I, I just really don't think that would be my name. So we started calling him Red Panda. Okay? And, and almost every one of my youth leaders at some point has been given a new name. They've been given nicknames. You got Dark Eagle sitting over here, right? I'm called a lot of things. Shepherd One, Papa Smurf. I got a lot of them, okay? What is it? Papa Shuff, excuse me. Papa Shuff. I don't know why I said that, yeah. Papa Shuff. But it still is because I'm like Papa Smurf. That's what they're saying, okay? That's what they're saying. All right, so names carry identity in them, and they matter. Anybody, anybody when you got that nickname, felt good about it? Anybody? I remember my wife one time. Nobody has a nickname for me. She was upset many years ago because she didn't have a nickname. So, so she got one. But I'm going somewhere with this. Names either are what you're named and they have character. They give you character. So a lot of times God was, we heard some names shouted out. I heard like Jehovah, what was those? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nessi, right? God's my provider, my healer. Like those all have names that give character about who God is. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, Everlasting. It gives identity to the name. And so names carry identity. 
So God begins to change names and identity. But he doesn't just change their name. Many times he actually gives nicknames. Okay, and I'll show that to you. In Matthew 3, 17, we'll see where he was speaking to James and John, if we can get that on the screen. James and John in Matthew 3, 17. He was speaking to James and John as he called them and he said this, and a voice from, that's not three, oh, maybe I gave you the wrong one. I apologize. It might've been Mark 3, 17. Okay, so we have James and John that is uh, the, the disciples that are being called, okay? And um, when, when he calls these two, he gives them a nickname. Does anybody know what it is? There it is. Yes. I don't know what translation that is. The nickname, Bena. Okay, so now you guys are going to learn some Hebrew. Ready? Bena Rega. That's actually pretty good. Bena Rega. Okay, which means it's actually the sons of thunder. Chris, you're failing me right now. Just failing me. I'm going to bring that thunder right back there. You want a little thunder? You want, you want a little lightning? You want a little thunder? You want a little lightning? All right. That's right. It's just a weird version. Whatever he put up there is some crazy version. Get that version off there. Get it off. Get it off right now. Right now. Put another version up. There you go. Thank you. For us Americans up in here. All right. The sons of thunder. All right. So he called them. The Sons of Thunder. How many guys would like to have that nickname? The Sons of Thunder. I'm not exactly sure. They're probably walking around and be like, yeah, we got thunder, right? I don't know if that was a good thing or not. I'm not really sure. There's no explanation for it. We don't really see a reason. I don't know if, like, because uh, it turns out that their mom was like, take them with you. Like, she was like, she was the Jewish mom. Oh, my son's got to go with you. You have to take them. The, son, you need, the good boys, I'm telling you, just get them, take them. Right? And so he's like, oh my gosh, sons of thunder, mama won't be quiet. Like, I don't know if that was what it was. I'm not exactly sure. But they have this nickname given to him, the sons of thunder. What a cool name. And we find out that they fit their name pretty well. Because later on in scripture, we have both of them, John and James, who are the two that come out and say, Lord, you should call down fire on all these guys and burn them up. Do you remember that? And Jesus responds and says, you don't know what spirit you are of. And he rebukes them. They are sons of thunder. They, they are impetuous. They react. They're young. But we actually see a shift inside these two as they grow and mature. In fact, uh, John is the same one that we read about in the book of John. He's the author of John. He's the author of 1 John and 2 John and all the Johns. Okay? So he's the author of John. And most people know that the book of John is the book about what? love love this guy knew how to love he knew how to have fierce love ferocious love and the books of john first and second are written from an evangelistic point of view and even john is written from this evangelistic point of view he's trying to reach the love of god to a lost and dying world he's he's a resounding uh, uh, sound a trumpet calling to people that don't know who jesus is he is thunder and there's this identity, but thunder doesn't mean dangerous because John was the one who was loved. I'm the disciple whom God loved. In fact, James and John and Peter were the three beloved, were the three that Jesus was the closest to. And so you have these three that he's really close to. In fact, he also gave Peter a nickname, right? He said, Simon, who I call Peter, right? Peter means, anybody know? 
rock, right? It turns out Dwayne actually owes a whole lot of, uh, of name-stealing licensing. Uh, yeah, so every time you hear Dwayne the Rock, right, it's like I want to walk up to him like, bro, like that's not even original. There's a rock before you. His name is Peter. So you're not the original rock. But how many of you guys know when someone walks up to you and says, what's up, rock? That you don't go, oh, I feel so weak and that name gives you a sense of power, doesn't it? Does anybody want to be called the rock? All the guys are like, all the girls are like, no, that's awful. Rosa the rock. Right? Crystal Colonel. Kerns, you know, it worked. All right. Ordering everyone around, making them get socks and stuff. Trying to say, make sure the army has socks and boots. Okay? So, right, you know, so the girls don't want to be called The Rock. Okay? But every guy be like, that's a cool nickname. I could take that. You know, I watched the UFC fights. Anybody in here ever watch UFC fights? They all got nicknames. I watched a fight last night, and they had a guy that I love watching fight, uh, Clay Guida. Okay? Because he's like, no matter what, he's always like this. He's done with the fight. He's bloody. And he's like doing the interview like this. The whole time, the guy never stops moving. And you're like, <laughs> like literally just the whole time. And they call him Clay the Carpenter Guida, but I really think it should be uh, Clay the Caveman Guida because he looks like a caveman. Like he's got that, he looks like, guy, like he could do the Geico commercial real easy, okay? <laughs> he fits it, I'm just telling you, all right? And I love him, and I'm always like, that's the wrong name. Does he build stuff? Like, but they all have a nickname. You ever notice that? All the fighters, they got a nickname. And that identifies who they are, their personality, their style. So here's Jesus giving people nicknames. He's saying, you're the sons of thunder. You're the rock. And he gives them identity in that. And what's amazing is, is that a lot of times I don't think we understand who we are. God has an identity for you. There is a name that God has spoke into your heart about who you are. From the foundations of the earth, God knows who you are. He knows your purpose and your destiny. And your name will always be something that speaks into your identity to empower you to walk out in your destiny. That's the idea of a name. And some of us have walked around our whole life nameless. We don't know who we are. And what's worse than that is we don't know what God thinks about us. We don't know what he calls us. See, the word of God says that the two greatest commandments are this. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. How in the world can we ever love ourselves to then in turn love our neighbors if we don't even know who we are? If we don't know what is inside of us? And the only way to truly know who you are is to know what God says you are, not what this world says you are. Your whole life, people have been trying to tell you what you are, who you are, how you are, and what you should become. And I'm telling you right now, in a world that wants to tell you your identity, you should only be getting it from above. 
God is the only one that should be speaking identity in you because this world is desperate to do it. And we know that everything that Satan does is a counterfeit of God's. Why do you think it is that in this world so many people are willing to speak false identities to destroy you all the time? Someone always wants to tell you you're not smart enough, you're not good looking enough, you don't have what it takes to make it. They're always speaking a name over you. You're a loser. You're a dummy. They always want to declare what your nickname is. They always want to give you a new name that speaks identity. God wants to give you an identity that will carry you into your future. Look what happens to David when David is given identity. When God speaks to his identity, he comes down to David. I want to show you. So sometimes a nickname can be an actual name. He changes the name to Jacob, to Israel, changes Abram to Abraham, but then he speaks a nickname over the sons. They're still James and John, but they're sons of thunder. So he speaks a nickname over them. He speaks identity. And to David, he does the same thing. David stays David. He becomes King David because the identity, the name that God spoke to him, he said, this is a man after my own heart. And he speaks to David's identity. And David would be tested with that identity. In just four chapters from the place where David is tested and he, or he's told, your name, is, I'm picking you because you have a man, you're a man after my own heart. And then four chapters later, he's challenged with that. His dad comes to him, says, go take your brother some food to the battlefield. I know you're called to be king, but I'd rather make you an Uber Eats driver. You're going to do some DoorDash. I'm going to have you be a delivery man. I know this prophet over here that declares over the nation said you're supposed to be king, but I want you to tend my sheep and deliver food to your brothers who are out there doing real war. How many of you guys know that a king is called to fight? In that time, in ancient times, you weren't a king if you couldn't fight. Like you had to show up on the battlefield. He shows up on the battlefield and Saul is out there, the man that's a head taller than everyone. He shows up on the battlefield after his dad has spoke to him and said, you're nothing but a shepherd and a delivery boy. And he shows up on the battlefield and he inquires, what's going on? There's this Goliath guy. He's taunting everyone. And he goes up to the group where his brother is, his oldest brother, and says, what's going on? Let me paraphrase. Let me do the uh, uh, Pastor Ren translation. He's like, what's going on? And his brother looks at him and says, you? I know why you're asking. I know you, you have a wicked heart. That's what he says to him. The very thing that God said about David, his brother comes against. You have a wicked heart. And what does David do with that moment? Does he get hurt? Does he retreat to a cave and cry? No, that's later. But in that moment, see the word that God spoke over his life was still fresh. He still trusted in it completely. It was still a moment where there was no doubt in him. And he listened to that. And even though it was his brother, he was able to look at him and be like, what's your problem, bro? Ren translation. What's your deal? Like, get over yourself. And then he goes, okay. And he talks to the other guys. He dismisses his brother's assault on his identity. Because he understood that if God says I'm a man after his own heart, my brother can't call my heart wicked, lest he call the Lord wicked. He knew that if you assault my heart, you are calling the Lord wicked. 
And isn't that, that the same character that he takes onto the battlefield? This man who taunts us doesn't taunt us. He taunts the Lord. Our identity is in him. So if they're assaulting us, they're assaulting him. See, he understood that God had spoken identity in him and no man and no world and no family and no friends, people that were supposed to love you and support you that didn't were going to steal his identity from him. And the church needs to recognize that. You need to recognize that there is a name that God calls you even though some of the people that you love the most have said differently. I remember that moment. I remember that moment for me. I was in the mountains in Colorado with the author of the book the men are reading right now, John Eldridge. We were in Colorado at a campsite, cabin, and um, he said, what's your name? How does God see you? I said, I don't really know. And I realized that I couldn't fully walk out who I was called to be if I don't know who that is. If I don't know what I'm supposed to look like, who I'm supposed to be, what does God think of me? I don't want to walk out my life as a false identity. So I asked the Lord. I went and got alone. I walked out to a lake out there in Colorado and I found this stick. still have that stick today. I polyurethaned it and kept it. I did. I kept that stick because it is a marker in my life. It's something that I'll, I'll, whenever I see it, I remember what happened to me and my encounter and my burning bush moment for me when God took this man and turned him into who he was meant to be. And this was my moment, like Moses encountering the, the bush. He thought he was a shepherd that was running because he was a murderer and he fled to the desert and he was nothing more than a fleeing murderer who got lucky and became a shepherd and then God speaks identity into him gives him a purpose tells him he's the deliverer see the deliverer is the one that delivers the message and God speaks to me that night I lay there staring up at the stars in the middle of this pitch black darkness so you can see every star in the sky and I asked the Lord I said Lord as I'm terrified to ask the question how do you see me? When you look at me, what do you see? Now, some of us are terrified to ask that question because we are so scared of the answer. We are terrified to know what God thinks of us. And here's the truth. God made you. And it doesn't just say that he created you whimsically or half-heartedly but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. See, sometimes we talk about the fear of the Lord and people say, you shouldn't be scared of God. Why? He was fearful when he made you. You don't understand fearful. You don't understand that term, that he took such reverence and care with your creation because you had value and you needed to be made exactly who you were called to be. That just means that he was quality assured that you came out correct. You are not a mistake. He took time and attention and realized it must be perfect. You know, there's a difference between when you make something, like to give to your kids, and you make something for a king. If you were going to draw a picture for your kids, you might just do it real quick. But if you were going to draw a picture for the president, you might take a little more time, 
right? You might spend a little more time. There might be some fearful in you going, oh, this has to be just right because I'm going to present it to someone of value. See, when God made you, he said to himself, I got to make them just right because they have value and purpose. And he made you fearfully and wonderfully made. And as I laid there, I realized that God would never speak over me the things I saw about myself, but he would only speak over me identity. He would only speak over me my destiny. He would only speak over me the way that he created me to be, not where I was. See, what he says over you will cause you to rise up in who you're called to be. It will bring life. It will never speak death. See, you are not a fig tree. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's not looking to punish you with his words. He's looking to raise you up and breathe life into you. God, when he speaks to you, he wants to breathe his breath into you. And it's the breath of life. So what he says over you will always breathe life into you. So as I realized that on that night, I boldly asked the Lord. I said, Lord, how do you see me? And he said to me, you're my King David. That's how I see you. And I, I was taken aback. Because at the time, I was going through an identity crisis of my own. I didn't know who I was. I was feeling defeated. Me and Rachel were split up at the time. And it wasn't going well for me. I felt like a loser. I couldn't be a good husband. I felt like everything was against me. And God says, you're my David. And I said, Lord, I don't even understand that. How am I like David? And he said this to me. He goes, David was a leader. He led people. You're a leader. And I went, well, yeah, I guess I am a leader. <laughs> and he said, David wasn't afraid of giants. You're not afraid of anyone. And I said, yeah, that's right. I ain't afraid of you. I said, that's, that's kind of true. Yeah. And he said, David was a psalmist. He loved praise and worship. You're a praise and worship leader. And I went, oh, yeah, that's right. I am. He was. You're a psalmist. And then he said this to me. He said, and you're a man after my heart. And I wept. Right there in that Colorado mountain on that dark night, with every star in the sky, I worshiped God with the heavens in the heavens and I worshiped him and since that day I have never forgotten what God said about my identity and a lot of people have come against that identity and a lot of people have challenged that identity but because God himself spoke those words to me there's no man that can take them away from me Amen. and so when someone challenges my identity I'm able to walk away from their accusation easily not pridefully, but easily. When someone comes to me and says, you're not much of a leader. And I'm like, well, that's not what the Lord said. Now I can stop and ask myself this question. This has been a measuring rod in my life. Lord, am I living up to the identity you see me as? Am I being a good David right now? Or am I falling away and making mistakes. David fell. David had issues. David went through things. But he knew how God saw him, and so it always gave him a measuring rod to, to validate him with heaven. Lord, am I living up 
to what you see me as. And if I find myself not living up to that standard that God sees me, I know where I need to reach for. Because I know what I'm supposed to be so I don't have to slip in that identity. Is that making sense for you this morning? So God himself spoke my identity. So when a person comes against me and says something about my identity, it falls off me. But if you don't know who you are, when someone comes against you and say, you're not much of a leader, you might say, oh, man, I thought I was, but maybe, maybe I'm not. Maybe, maybe that's just my pride. I just want to be in charge of stuff. Tell people what to do. Well, you're not very good at that music stuff. How many of you guys know that I had those things spoken directly against my identity? I had my, my, my senior pastor come to me and say, Ren, I appreciate you're trying to do music, but you're not really that great of a musician. You're, I think you're a better preacher, like you should just preach. So I formed a rock band and toured the world. Ended up on the radio, played with a lot of famous musicians. After he told me, I don't think music is really for you. And I said, ha! I know what my God says about me. When I was in choir class, when I was in high school, the choir teacher hated my guts. Like, he hated me. And don't get me wrong, I gave him every reason because I didn't like him either, okay? So, I'm just saying. I wasn't saved. I didn't know Jesus. And so, because he was just such a mean uh, teacher, I actually, when we got to the Christmas performance and they had all the songs about Jesus, I was, I'm a Jew. Ethnically, I'm a Jew, so I refused to do all of the Jesus music. We can't sing that. We can't sing that. I'm a Jew. So I refused to do it. Everyone in the class, come on, just sing it. Nope, I'm not doing it. You can't make me go against my faith. He was so furious because there was nothing he could do about it. So I, had to, I got to do nothing for months. I remember the day that I moved out of that school. We had moved, and I was changing schools, and I came to him to sign my paper to let him know I was gone. He rejoiced gladly and loudly. He began to worship in the class. Praise the living God! It turned into a church service for him. He, was, he really was vocal. That's a true story. He was vocal. He was excited, and he shouted for joy that I was leaving. He was so excited. And he told me this one time. I'll never forget this. He spoke this over me. He said, I don't know what you're doing in my class. You can't sing, and you have no future in music, so you're wasting my time and yours. See, the enemy will always come against your identity. He will always come and assault the very thing that God created you to be in hopes of trying to keep you from ever rising up and becoming it. But see, the difference between those that become who they're called to be and those that don't, that succumb to the identity of the world, are those that are rooted and grounded in knowing who he's called them to be, what God says about you. But if you don't know who God says about you, then you will get your identity from the false people in this world. Two years later, I was in choir class, a new choir teacher, and he asked me to come into his office. And he says, Ren, I'd like you to come in here real quick. And he says, I want to talk to you about your future in music. Where do you think my heart went in that moment? Oh, here we go again. 
He says, I just want you to know this, Ren. He goes, um, I don't know what your plans are for music, but I hope that you pursue it and not just for fun as a hobby, but as a profession. I hope that you chase after music because you are talented. Two years. Not 10 years where I had finally grown. Two years. Two years. And this man was a godly man, and this one was not. This one spoke death, and this one spoke life. But when God spoke to me on that mountain, I realized that I was living in the strength of other people's words. What happens if two said death and only one spoke life? Which voice would I listen to? And I knew that this one was from God, but it's really easy to have too many human voices overrule the one voice. That's why it's so important that we don't be people that chase after prophetic words all the time. We need prophetic words. We need the prophets, but we need a fresh word out of the mouth of the Lord to back up what the prophets have said to us. Because somebody will try to steal that word from you. Somebody will try to rip it out of your hands and your heart. And put you into a false identity. And so he spoke that life over me. And it allowed me to walk out who I am. Hmm. And that changed who I was. That changed the direction in my life. And it became the guiding force of what I'm called to do. Now, God may say, hey, I want you to be a senior pastor. I want you to be a musician. I want you to be an itinerant minister. I want you to, to just be a, a teacher at a college. Like, he can say anything about my job that he wants to. And that may shift and change. But no matter where I change and what I do differently, it will always be through the lens of my identity. See, a name that's given to you carries weight and authority. Your, your first name, your father gives you. And your first name is who you are. But your last name is who he is. Your last name carries your family name. It is the legacy of your family. Isaiah is at Global Awakening right now, Randy Clark's ministry, and he, he'll call me once in a while and be like, somebody heard my last name was Shuffman. And they're like, are you Renson? And he says, and then they talk to me when they find out I'm your son. He says, doors open, and he's always reluctant to do that. No, I don't want to tell anyone I'm your son. You know, because he knows a door will open, and these ministers that come in want to talk to him for a moment. Oh, yeah, I know your dad. And they want to have a conversation with him because of his family name. See, Ren is my name, but Shuffman is my family name. So you have two names. And one carries your authority, and one carries your family's authority. What God says about you, your name, who God sees you, is your authority. It's your authority. But more so than that, you have a last name. When you are born again and you die to yourself, you are raised with Christ and you become one with him. You carry the last name of your heavenly father. You carry the identity and authority of the family you belong to and it is in Christ. 
that you are no longer tied to the authority of this world, but you are tied to the authority of heaven. That's why when we pray, we say, in Jesus' name. That is not a pretty fluffy close to the prayer so everyone knows we're done. When a king sent a messenger, the messenger would show up and they would say, what message do you have and whose authority do you come? And they would come and say, I have a message from the king. And they would walk in that. When a guard would tell uh, um, somebody committing an illegal offense to stop, they would yell out, stop, in the name of the king. They would introduce and, and, and show the people, I walk in the authority of the king. As a guard, as a soldier, I represent this kingdom. And I re represent all of the authority given by the king to judge. To act. Because you are a guard of the king. You are a soldier of the king. You are a judge in the kingdom. Your title gives you authority. Your family gives you authority. And so when we come in Jesus' name, what we are saying is we come in the authority of the Prince of Peace. We come in authority to the King of Kings. What I say carries weight because of who says it through me. Because I represent heaven. I am an ambassador of heaven. I represent a kingdom that's bigger than this kingdom. Amen. I represent an authority that's bigger than this authority because I'm a son of a king. His name gives you authority that you can never have on your own. But your name will tell you what you're supposed to do with it. If you don't know who you are, how will you ever walk out what you're supposed to do? Come on. Why do you think the enemy is so desperate to blot out your name? Hmm. So God's interested in naming you. It's time for him to breathe his breath of life into you and give you an identity, and empower you to live out your destiny. See, what man calls you has no power, but what God calls you can set your captive destiny free. You need to carry the name of your family. See, you're a representative of that family. Amen? Your name carries your plan and purpose with it. And so many times we don't recognize who or what God says about us. God changes people's names so that they are no longer a part of their past, but they've been given a future. This is significant. This is why so many people struggle that had bad relationships with their father. They carry what I call the bastard spirit. It's not a bad word. It just means you're an illegitimate child. And many of us carry this idea. And if we study ancient uh, times, uh, the, the signifier 
of a bastard, somebody that maybe um, David would have had Bathsheba and had his son Solomon, who was a legitimate heir to the throne because she was a wife. But he had concubines, so if they would have had a child, they would have been considered uh, uh, heirs with no name or bastards. They would have been ones that carry, they do not carry David's name. I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, he said that word. It's not a bad word, I promise. (laughs) We just use it wrong. It means illegitimate. So a son that was illegitimate did not have a right to his father's name unless every other illegitimate heir was gone. Only then would they go and say, well, guess we got to go look at the ones we call illegitimate. In fact, many people speculated that David was illegitimate. He wasn't even invited to dinner. Well, I do have this other son, he said. Like, technically, he's biologically mine, but he doesn't have my name. So a lot of people speculated that David must have been illegitimate. In the Psalms, he makes a statement about how his mother and father conceived him in sin. So there's good evidence to say that David was illegitimate. Does it make sense why he would have picked Solomon as king? He knew what it was like to feel that way, to feel overlooked because of being illegitimate. And there's many of us that come in, in, into our lives, into our, the kingdom of God, and we feel illegitimate because the way our fathers and mothers have treated us, the way the people that are supposed to love us the most, our family have treated us, and we feel like we have no identity, we have no name, we have no value, and we are not attached to anyone else's authority. And that happens, and it creates in us an orphan heart. It creates in us an orphan spirit, an orphan mindset that we are illegitimate because of fathers who carry this bastard spirit on them and make illegitimate children. They refuse to give you names. So many of you guys grew up in homes where somebody forgot to give you identity or didn't want to. For whatever reason they had, that's another topic. They did not give you a name. They did not speak identity over you. They did not speak the hay, the breath of life over you. What they said were words that wounded. Not words that won. They didn't bring victory. And so you've gone through your whole life being that person. What other people said about you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I try to do. They're not going to see me that way anyway, so who cares? How many of us have said that? And we look at God through the same lens. We look at the Father through the same lens. We worry if he really sees us, will he love us? Could he possibly love us if he knew what we really were? At any moment now, I know what the scripture says. I know it says he loves me, but me, me, and deep down, many of us, even when we said, no, no, I know he loves me. There is a small part of us that says, if I don't perform, he'll reject me. If I don't live up to it, he'll discard me. He'll love me as long as I do what I'm supposed to do. As long as I walk the thin line, he'll love me. No, walking the thin line will just keep you from getting rebuked and corrected. See, he rebuked and corrected James and John. But John still said, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. He's known as the apostle of love. 
the disciple of love, even though Jesus looked at him and said, you don't know what spirit you are of calling for the death of these people. You don't get it yet, do you? I think that was the shifting moment for John where he says, hold on a second. I think I have the wrong heart about this. I'm not living up to my identity. And when we see John at the end, he is the apostle of love, but he was the apostle of judgment in the beginning. He was the apostle of you ain't walking right, burn him down. And now he's the one of love. So something shifted in him when he didn't live up to the standard. And the truth is, is that God did not reject him. Jesus did not kick him out of the group because they missed it. He just corrected him. So when you fall out of line, God will correct you. But he still loves you. But so many of us don't really believe that he loves us. So we need an identity check. We need to know that God loves us so that we can get rid of this because the truth is, is that if you are not getting your identity from God, then you will never learn how to love yourself and see yourself through God's eyes, which means you will never learn to love anybody else because you're to love people as yourself. And when you see yourself through God's eyes, you can't help but love you, amen? Ooh, some of you still don't believe that. So this is what we're going to do for a moment. It's a different kind of altar call this morning. I want to do one more thing real quick. Where's Isaiah McCraw? Come up here real quick. We're going to learn what our identity looks like. We're going to learn who we are in God. Because so many of us are so desperate for identity. And we get it from the wrong places. I want you to look at this. So, so this is my jersey. I had Isaiah wear this jersey right here. So all of you don't think he's weird for having a hoodie and a jersey. It's the new fashion thing. It's really in right now. Okay? So I asked him to wear this jersey. Anybody know who this represents? Who? The thunder. Oh, a lot of you know the zero already, right? I didn't have him turn around. Stop ruining my, my thunder. This is my son of thunder right here, okay? So this is my th son of thunder. Now, did God call Isaiah a son of thunder? Who did he call a son of thunder? James and John. He's got his thunder hoodie on. I want you to turn around for a second and show him this. Whose name's on the back of this? Whose identity is Isaiah representing? Turn around for a second. Everywhere he goes, whose name is he representing today? He's representing Westbrook but not Isaiah. See, we are so broken in our identity, we'd rather wear someone else's name than our own. We'd rather walk on somebody else's accomplishment than stand on our own. Is it possible that we have such a low opinion of ourselves that we would rather highlight someone else's success than believe that God wants to use us and be successful in it? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wearing a jersey. I'm saying I wonder when we have a culture that does not know their own identity that wants to borrow somebody else's, that wants to wear the coat of somebody else's colors instead of the own that they were given. Some of us wear this jersey because we have no identity ourselves. Stand up, ladies. What was amazing is, is I had this plan today. Come up, come up here to the front. I want, the, I want everyone to see this. 
And these ladies both come walking in today and they made these jerseys for themselves. So turn around so they can see them and they can't make sure the camera gets a second. Why, why did you, why'd you pick warrior for the back? So you're kingdom warrior? Because you're, so kingdom warrior is not a team? It's not somebody else's identity? You are kingdom warriors. You're wearing that jersey to represent what God says about you. I didn't ask him to do this. You see how awesome Holy Spirit is? Come on, give him a hand. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, guys. You should know how God sees you to such a degree that you are willing to put it on your shirt and to walk around and say, I have the goods because my God says I do. I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about arrogance. Don't be conceited. Be convinced of who God says you are. So this is what I want to do for a moment. I'm going to give you a quiet moment. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment just so everyone has privacy. But this is what I want you to do. I'm going to release the presence of God in this room to reveal to you your identity this morning. I believe that God is going to speak to many of your hearts for you that are asking the Lord of how he sees you. I want you to take a minute and honestly and truly listen to his answer and not be afraid to question this. And ask the Lord simply this. What's my name? How do you see me? What's my name? Father, thank you for these sons and daughters of yours that have gathered this morning in this place. Lord, they each have a unique identity that you've given to them. Although you want them to look like you, in last name, you want them to be them in first name. Lord, I want you to speak identity. Father, I release you to speak identity for your voice to be clearly heard in this room this morning to speak identity over these ones. Lord, break away every lie of the enemy, every voice of the enemy. I silence in the name of Jesus. And I say right now, enemy, you cannot speak in this room. You are dumb. You are muted in the name of Jesus. You cannot speak to them a false identity. I come against every lie in their minds that says they cannot hear you, although they know they hear the voice of the enemy. God, your voice is more powerful than the enemy. We accept that we hear the voice of the enemy and reject that we hear the voice of God. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I ask for your voice to be louder and more authoritative and speak identity into them right now in the name of Jesus. And I just want you to take a minute where you're at and seek him. I'm going to be quiet for a moment and give you an opportunity quietly to hear him and let him speak life into you. As they turn the music up just a little bit, and I'm going to be quiet. If you're online, I want you to do the same thing where you are. Ask him how he sees you. What's your name?
You can keep speaking to him if you need to. Take as long as you want this morning to just seek him. As I saw him this morning, I felt like there's somebody either in the room or online watching right now that your identity has been lost in an injury that you had. You've, you've signified with an injury, maybe it was a car accident, but you've signified with that injury and you've made it your identity. It's become who you are instead of what's happened to you. And the Lord says he wants to break that off you this morning. He wants you to realize that what happened to you and where your body is is not your identity. It's not your power. It's not your strength. But that he has, has spiritual gifts for you that he wants to release and unload. That when you are weak, he is strong. And he says, you have not even recognized the strength that's in you yet because you've thought that it had to be in your body. And you've allowed the spiritual gifts to lie dormant because of that. Jesus. Thank you, Father. As he spoke to my heart this morning just while I was quiet, <laughs> he spoke over me a new identity. He said to me, he said, you're also my prophet. And I said, what? And he says, remember, David was a prophet too. And I said, Lord, why are you just telling me this? You're adding a fifth one. And he says, you wouldn't have accepted it back then. Had I said that one, you didn't walk in it, so you wouldn't have thought you were hearing me. I could only give you the four that you would accept till now. So I'm undone. What the Lord has spoke over my life. If you haven't heard him yet, then I would ask you this. We'll give the altar call in a moment. I want you to really seek him. I want you to come to this altar if you haven't heard and just seek him and just spend a minute in his presence, be prayed over and ask the Lord to unlock your identity. And if you still don't hear it, make this the mission that consumes you until you do. Do not rest. Do not stop knocking until the door is answered. Do not stop going deep and calling to deep. Seek the Lord and what he says about you. It is vital that you know who you are so that we can then begin to walk out what we're called to do. Father, just speak to them this morning. Let them discover the life that you breathe. Let them find the hay, the breath of life in their name, in their identity, Father. Breathe on them in the name of Jesus. Breathe life into them in the name of Jesus. We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom.